And you may be seated. Yeah, why don't we give the Lord a hand clap for, for him and for uh, Courtney. If you have your Bibles, turn to two passages of Scripture, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three and also Luke twenty two fifteen. 15. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three and Luke 22, uh, 15, 22, 15. In just a moment, we're going to take communion. And, and, and every now and then, I, I just like to remind you, what's this all about? Why, why do we take communion? What's the significance? Does it really matter? What, what, is it just some symbol? Is it just some religion? What, what is it, just some tradition? What is it all about? Well, to really understand and get the full meaning of communion, you got to go way, way back to, do you remember the guy Moses where uh, he was raised in Pharaoh's house and, and he, he killed some, uh, an Egyptian and, and so he went on the run and he was in the desert for 40 years and, and he goes to that bush and and the bush through the, the Lord speaks to him through that bush and says, hey, Moses, I got a job for you. Uh, there's, there's about three million Hebrews that are back in Egypt that they need to be delivered. They need to be set free. They need to be led out of captivity. And you're the man. I want you to do it. And Moses just began to argue with him. And I'm not the guy. I stutter. I, I'm, I'm a fugitive. I, just, let me stay, just let me keep doing what I'm doing. I, I, I'm not qualified for that. And God put his hands on him and said, no, you are the guy. And so he sent him to Pharaoh. And remember the nine plagues? It's all about I'm going to make Pharaoh's life so miserable, so hard, that everybody's going to recognize I'm the God of the Israelites. And, and I'm the God that did this. And, and the tenth plague was called uh, the, the death of the firstborn. So every person that did not have the blood spread, spread over their doorpost, uh, the death angel came by and, and, and killed the firstborn son. And so... And so what the deal was, Moses told, told, uh, God told Moses, tell all the people to get a one-year-old male lamb, spotless, perfect, no blemishes, no defects, cut its throat, drain its blood, eat the meat, take the blood and spread it over the doorpost uh, of the door. And when the death angel sees the blood, he'll pass by and your, whole, your family will be saved and will be, will be spared. And so with that, it happened they get out of Egypt, and now it's later on in the history of Israel, and, and uh, God gives this command in Exodus. He says, and when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? You guys, you guys okay staying up here? It might be a few minutes. Do you want to stay here? But <laughs> I know these ladies, they're so good looking and attractive. Are you going to have a hard time focusing on me with, with this as the backdrop? You know, why don't y'all just take a minute and just slide out, will you? <laughs> and, and come right back. I don't know if it's for me or for them, but do you mind, Trevor? You guys are the best. Can, can you just give a hand for our praise team? You got, no. Yeah, go get a snack if you want to come out here. And, and it'll be about 15 minutes or 20, 25. It'll be, it won't be long. And, and so what was I saying? That just messed me all up. And so, oh, this is what he said. So, so God gave Moses these commands. And when your children ask, so, so they are to partake this Passover. It's supposed to be a meal. It becomes a, it becomes a tradition. And when you take it and your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Hey, mom, why, why are we killing this lamb? Why are we eating its meat? Why, why, Dad, what's this all about? Why are we doing this? You tell them, and I think, I think that this is, how, this is how Christianity really gets passed down from generation to generation as parents uh, serve the Lord and the kids ask, what's this all about? You tell them it's the pack, Passover sacrifice of the Lord. It hasn't always been like this. Now we're free. Now, 
Now we're, now, now we're no longer under the slavery of the Egyptians. But there was a time where we worked 16-hour days. There was a time where, where we were commanded by a wicked king to just produce for him. But God in his miracle power and God in his grace has delivered us and set us free. And, and God's been so good to us. And, and I just want you to, Jehovah God is the only God. He's the God of Israel. There's one God. And, and, and Jehovah is his name. And, and so when they took that, they would share that. And, and they said he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared houses when he struck down the Egyptians. And so, so they took that Passover. Now skip ahead to the days of Jesus. So this had been celebrated. Jews still celebrate it today. It's been a celebration of feasts. It's been very important in the Jewish culture. You skip ahead to Jesus, and Jesus tells uh, the disciples in the loose gospel. And he said to them, I eat, I have eat, Jesus talking, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And so this was nothing new to these Jewish disciples. They had celebrated Passover all their lives. This wasn't some new thing. It wasn't some, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. They knew exactly what they were about to do. They knew exactly what the purpose of it was, or so they thought. But Jesus said, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And so what Jesus is declaring, he's saying, look, you, you thought that the Passover was just about Moses and the Egyptians and getting out of bondage and getting out of slavery. It's so much more than that. All that was was a point. It was pointing people to what I was going to do. I was going to fulfill it. I'm going to be the perfect sacrifice. I'm going to be the lamb that was out spot or without wrinkle. He who knew no sin is going to become sin for you. That in the old, it's just a foreshadow. It's just a taste. But I'm about to do the real thing. I'm about to fulfill what you've been celebrating for thousands of years. And at, at Passover... The tradition was you always set out an extra plate and an extra cup. Again, Jews would know this. And it just was symbolism of the Messiah that was coming. So if you had a, if you had a family of five, ten, whatever it was, you would set out one more place, uh, one more plate, one more cup. And, and that would represent that the Messiah is coming. But now read this. And he took the bread and he gave thanks. So they're celebrating the Passover together. And he gave it saying to them, this is my body giving for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup. And if you, you, the Greek language emphasizes the word the. It means, that's what it's talking about. The cup, the cup that was there for the coming Messiah. The extra cup that was placed there to symbolize that Jesus was going to come on the scene one day. He took that cup. So they're in the upper room, 12 disciples and Jesus and they have 14 place settings. Jesus takes the one, the cup, the empty cup, the cup that was supposed to symbolize the Messiah. And what he was saying is, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one coming. This is the new covenant in my blood, which has been poured out for you. It, it was, it was, it's, it was, the, it was the, the fulfillment of what had taken place thousands of, four, really 1,400 years ago. And now today, as a church, we celebrate communion for several reasons, and I, I want to give you a few of them, why, why we do it and what it's about. And some people say, well, well, why do we only take communion first Wednesday? Why don't we do it more often? And I think often we, we take the, the, the meaning and the intent and we replace it with ritual and tradition. And I don't think that's what communion was meant to be. I encourage you to take communion. Take it together as a family. Take it together in your small group. 
You say, well, I'm not a pastor. I can't serve communion. The Bible says you're a priest. The, 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 the veil was torn from top to bottom. All of us have direct access into the throne room of grace and mercy. I'm about to teach you and remind you of what it's about. But I encourage you on a regular basis, take it with your family, take it with your small group. Do this in remembrance of me. So, so what is communion about? There's, there's several things. And, and one of them, it's just a time to remember. Here Now we go to our 1 Corinthians text. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed... He took the bread. Now Paul's teaching. He's teaching the church at Corinth. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I don't want you to forget the price that was paid for your salvation. I don't want you to take for granted the love that was expressed on the cross. I, don't, I want you to read. I want you to relive. And, and I want you to realize that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you've been redeemed. But it's by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Don't, don't forget it. Don't let it become common. Just, just a matter of fact. I want you, every time you take communion, I want you to remember that his back was laid open with a cat of nine tails. And his brow was, was, was thruck, uh, thrust with a crown of thorns. And his beard was plucked from his face. And his hands were pierced with nails. And his side was pierced with a sword. And though his bones remain unbroken, his body was beaten and torn on our behalf. Don't forget it. Remember it. Put, make sure it stays in the, in the forefront of your mind. He who knew no sin became sin for us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. While we were yet sinners, Christ died on a cross for us. Don't forget it. Don't let it. So when we take communion, it's a time to, to remember God. Look, here, here's, what, here's what Paul said in Ephesians. Remember. And I think that's so important because we tend to forget. We have short memories. And, and, and sometimes we focus on the, on the minors instead of the majors. And, and Paul is saying, hey, here's the major thing. Remember at that time before Christ, you were separate from Christ. Don't forget this. Oh, yeah, 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 you might have come a long way and you, you might be doing pretty good now. But there was a time in your past, there was a time in your journey that you were separate from Christ. You were without hope. You were without God in the world. But here, here's the good news. But now in Christ Jesus, and that changes everything, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Don't forget it. Don't, don't, don't make light of it. I remember when I was growing up, my dad, he, a military man, 23, 24 years, active service, uh, served Vietnam, and, 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 and just very, you know, he's a patriot, and, and we would go to ball games, we would go to events, we would go to parades, and, and that flag was flown, and the national anthem was played, and the Pledge of Allegiance was, was quoted, and you didn't, you, it, it wasn't, well, you better take your hat off, it, it wasn't, it wasn't. You know, hands in your pocket, twirling your thumb. No, it was, boy, you better get to attention. And you, Dad, what's the big deal? Why do I have to show such respect? Because there are men and women that died for you to be at this game. There are men and women that have given their life, that have sacrificed the ultimate price so that you could live in a nation like America. And don't take it for granted. And don't be, don't be callous about it. And don't you ever forget it. That, that, that moms have lost sons and, and, and dads have lost daughters so that you can experience freedom. And I think Paul is, is, kind of, is saying that in the same vein. 
Don't you forget the price that Christ paid for your salvation. It wasn't because of your good works or your great attitude. It was because of his grace and his mercy and his love. And when we take communion, we're to, we're to remember the, the goodness and the grace of God. We're to remember the cross and think about it and, 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 and respond appropriately to it. Here's the next thing. It, I think communion is for reflection. And here's what Paul says in that same verse, 2 Corinthians. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. That, that word unworthy means flippant, just out of tradition, a half-hearted, kind of cold, callous. Oh, it's just, you know, we just do this in church. That's why we do it. Uh, it's not a big deal. It's just communion. What's the? No, if you eat it in an unworthy manner, you'll be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of of the Lord. And, and here's, here, here's, here's what he says in the next verse. A person ought to examine himself to do some reflection, to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, search me. What, what, what's really in my heart? Before he eats the bread and he drinks the cup. So uh, when we take communion, we're remembering, God, this, this juice represents your blood. This wafer represents your body. And I'm so grateful but I also want to reflect, am I serving God with all my heart? Is there something that's displeasing or dishonoring in my life? Am I fully committed to obeying you and seeing your purposes fulfilled in my life? You know, I love, I love the story of, I love challenges. I love to be challenged. I, I, love, I, 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 love, the, I love 1 Kings 18 where Elijah, he, he summons all the prophets of Baal and all the, all the prophets of Asher to the mountain, to Mount Carmel. And there's 850 of them, and, and there's are right around that, and there's, and there's Elijah, and, and he begins, gathers all the people of Israel, and he begins to say, hey, God's been good to us, God's done so much for us, and, and uh, you got to make a decision, you got to make a choice, are you going to serve Baal, and Baal was their false god. You could substitute Baal for anything that you put in the place of God. It could be money, a person, whatever your affection is, whatever your attention has the, is, is, has the most of. Anything that's not God that you've kind of placed in God's place. It's, it's set up a place on your heart and has more of your focus. If you want to serve Baal, then, 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 then serve Baal. But, but this is what, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. You can't have it both ways. I, I think Elijah is saying on that mountain, you can't enjoy the pleasure of sin and walk in the power of God. You're either walking down the broad road that leads to destruction or the narrow road that, that leads to life. And, and so with, with all of Israel before him, Elijah challenged the people, if the Lord is your God, then love him and serve him and turn from your sin. But if Baal is your God, then go and, and follow that. And, and it's decision day. It's, it's a, it, you got to make a choice. You got you to get, get it hot or cold. Don't, don't be lukewarm. I think that's what this is. Examine himself. Am I all in? Where's my heart with the Lord? It's the same with Joshua. Remember Joshua, again, he, he's getting older up. And, and, and he says, again, he goes through a history of Israel, how good God's been. And, and he's saying, and his words were, choose this day whom you're going to serve. But it's for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's, it's, it's decision time. I think communion, every time we take communion, we ought to re, re-enlist. We ought to say once again, God, I give you my affection. I give you my devotion more, it, it, more than anything else. It's like, it's like Jesus. Jesus. Jesus didn't water down the gospel. Jesus didn't make it easy 
to follow him. In, in fact, sometimes he ran more people off than, than he ever gathered. And in John chapter 6, he's talking about discipleship, and he's talking about repentance, and he's talking about commitment and suffering and dying to self and giving everything up to follow him. He's, he's calling for unconditional surrender. He's calling for complete commitment and, and, and conviction, and, and people start leaving. I mean, they, 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 I want the miracles. I, I just don't want all this talk of commitment. I want the blessings. I want the goosebumps, but I, want, I don't want to pick up my cross. I want the joy, but I don't want the tears of repentance or godly remorse. I want the spoils of war, but I, I don't want to go to battle. I want spiritual more maturity, but I don't want to develop disciplines. And Jesus looks at his disciples, and, and, and I mean, he, are you going to leave too? What are you guys going to do? You know, what, how, how are you? It's time to make a choice. It's decision time. What are you, are you going to follow me or are you going to leave me? Are you going to walk after me? Or are you going to walk away from me? And, and I ask you today, and I ask myself, if I had been summoned by the prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel, what would I have chosen? If you were challenged by Joshua, whom would you have served? If you were in the crowd with Jesus, would you have left or would you have stayed? How devoted to Christ are you? Are you single-minded in your commitment? Are you divided? Have you let go of, of your ways, your desires, and your will and unconditionally surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? And, and this, this is what I know. Our tendency is to drift. And communion helps us to realign and to refocus and, and to readjust ourselves under the, under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I, that's why, that's why, you know why I know we drift? Because Jesus said, fix your eyes on me. Because our eyes tend to wander. He said, pick up your cross daily. You can't do it once a month, once a year. You got to daily submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and, and on, on a regular basis, you got to say, Lord, I surrender to you once again. Not my will, but thy will be done. I, I'm on your team. I'm following your heart. I'm obeying your word. I've signed up for your team once again. We, we drift, we, we tend to, to fall away. And I mean, just, and I could give you multiple examples, but we just do. Here, here's a, a great illustration of that in, in John chapter 21. Are you still with me? So, so we're remembering, we're reflecting, and, and Trevor and the praise team are going to come back in just a minute, and we're going to take some time to do that. But in, in John chapter 21, Jesus had completed his earthly ministry, had died for our sins, and he had resurrected. It was his third time that he appeared to his disciples in this new resurrected body. And, and, and he comes to Peter and he finds Peter on a back fishing. And you know Peter, harsh Peter, brash Peter, uh, leader Peter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow him. I'll never deny you. I'll always serve you. I, I, I'll die for you, Jesus. And when really the rubber met the road, he denied Christ three times. And so he, he has went back to fishing. And, 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 and Jesus comes and meets him. And Peter's still dealing with this, I'm sure, the guilt of betrayal and this inner conflict. I thought I was better than this. I thought, I thought I could make it through this. I'm sure he's got some insecurity and he's got some issue. And, and he went back to fishing, which represented his passion and his purpose and his identity. But a few years back, he had given up that, that, that pursuit for a greater passion to find greater purpose he left fishing to find his security in Jesus Christ, and he, and he had decided and determined to follow him with all his heart. But, and nothing wrong with fishing, but he's left that, 
that commitment and he's gone back to what is natural, what is easy, what is normal. And Jesus comes to him and, and he says, Peter, are you catching any fish? And I think that's where Dr. Phil got that line, how's it working for you? I think Jesus was saying, hey, Peter, how, how's this doing? You feeling fulfilled? Is it meeting that inner need? How, how, how's, it, how's it working for you? What, how, how, here's what I think Jesus might. How, how are you doing without me being the center of your home and leading your marriage? How, how's, it, how's it working being more interested in pleasing people than pleasing me? Is it working for you? How, how is it leaving me out of your finances? Has it gotten better? Are you, are you succeeding at being the ruler of your own life? What, how's it working for you? And I think Pete said, it's not, Pete is not so good, Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, get back in the game. Come and follow me. And I'm asking you tonight as, as you examine your heart and examine your life, have you drifted? And it's just natural. We, we have to fight not to drift. It's work not to drift. It's natural to drift. And ha, have, you, have you lost that first love? Have you lost that first passion? And how's it working for you? And Jesus is, even now, I think he's wanting to say, hey, get back in the game. Sign back up. Re-enlist. Get back on board. Get back on board. Do what's right. Tonight, we are going to take communion. Perfect timing, Trevor. You're awesome. But before we do, I want us to remember. And so Trevor and the praise team are going to lead us in some songs that will focus on the, on the blood of Jesus and, and on Christ, Christ's sacrifice. And, I, you know, my prayer is that for myself and for you that we'll really focus in and that we'll forget about everybody that's around us and we'll remember that at one time we were without God and without hope in this world. But now, because of Christ, we've, we have crossed the longest distance in the world. Because of the blood of Jesus, we've been reconciled with God and brought near to His heart. And he, only He can do that. And for, for that, I'm grateful, eternally grateful. And I want to express it through worship. And then I want us to examine, to reflect what's, what's going on in our hearts. And I think those are two in order because Romans 12, 2 says, to offer yourself as a, here, here's how it starts, in light of God's mercies. As I remember what Christ has done for me, then offer yourself to God as a living sacrifice. And here's what Paul's saying. If, if, if Christ thought I was worth dying for, I'm thinking about that, I'm remembering that, he's worth living for. I'm going to re-enlist. I'm going to, I'm going to re-sign.